1: welcome back mate what's been doing
2: not a lot mate just uh churning out podcast churning out content what about yourself
1: yeah mate much of the same we've got uh we've got part three of the non chibi bible today the final part uh we're talking maddie moylan ryan pappenhausen tohu harris jimmy the jet and jamal fogarty today shall we kick off with uh maddie moylan out of Cronulla? Let's get straight into it, mate. I think this is the one that you have the biggest stocks on this year, isn't it? Oh, mate, I love Matty Moylan. I I don't think there's anyone... There, there's few players in the game that can finish, you know, a three-on-two better than Matt Moylan. He he just needs to stay fit. We've seen him previously in Supercoach when he is fit, you know, and he's actually playing football. His scores are unbelievable, and I think a lot of people have forgotten just how good he is.
2: 100%, mate. People have a preconceived idea of what a player's like, but... The the really top supercoach players put those behind them because they just look at prices and Matt Moylan's at the rock bottom he'll ever be and at two hundred and fifty k dual position, just the way he crab walks on like side to side on the field it just it looks so effortless doesn't it?
1: Mate he he just makes it look easy that's this is this is what I love about Moylan I've I've said it a few times like I and I'm not putting him in that category but I think he's the closest thing we've seen to Lockyer since Lockyer he just makes it look easy he just. He's he's able to glide or or, or or crab along the field as you described it, and just pick up men and guys like Jesse Ramian, Way Graham, Nakora, like Sifatalikai. I think they're going to have an absolute field day off him. Hundred percent, mate. Like I'm and
2: like you said, I'm not comparing him to Thurston, but you look at Thurston, how much time he had with the ball when Moylan's in full flight. How much time does he just like perceive to have? Like him and Munster are two that I probably would rate in the modern game. Is just when they've got both hands on the forty out in front, just defenders don't want to touch them,
1: do they? Mate, they. He's one of these guys that has time. It's the most dangerous asset in rugby league by far and away. Now he's obviously dual position, fullback, five eight. I mean, there are a lot of options in the fullback category this year. I mean, we mentioned Tom Travojevic before. We're going to talk about Ryan Pappenhausen in a moment. you got Tom Travojevic, a heap of guys. Is he a viable option at fullback, or would you only be looking at him as a 5'8"?
2: Yeah, look, I think that dual position is a bit of a false narrative. You'd look at him at probably origin time. Um, you can slot him in there. But, yeah, there's just a plethora of options. Even if you wanted to go more potish. you've got guys like Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, you've got A.J. Brimson, you've got Latrell. Like, fullback, year in, year out, it's just a stacked position. And it's probably not somewhere that you can play these left field options, like these cheapies, when you've just got so much around you that is better. Do you think most teams will kick off their season with Matt Moylan? No, I think Matt Moylan will be less than 10% ownership, making him like a super pod. Just from the sheer fact that if you're going to look at one of the cheapy halves, you've got Josh Schuster from Manly, you've got Milf, you've got uh, another man that I'll reference later on in Ash Taylor, Um, you've got Moylan, and I think, I'm sure you'll agree, Moylan's probably got the most to lose in terms of injury than those guys I've just mentioned. Moylan's probably got the most upside, but he's probably also the one that could break down the earliest. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, and I I mean... You know, I, I I've read all the articles. He's training the house down. He's making all the right noises. I think that if it's not going to be this year for Moylan, I think he's going to have to move on. And you know, potentially that could mean England realistically. So I I, I like seeing a guy with his ability with their back against the wall. It's it's the first time he's had his back against the wall his entire career essentially. So I'm really excited for him in that aspect.
2: So am I, mate. Look, don't get me wrong. If you send me your team and Milford's... No, sorry, not Milford. If you send me your team and Moylan is there, uh, I'm not going to start nagging with you to, to get him out because he's an option that can get you 50 points a week, make you good coin. There's not much to lose apart from a trade when it turns in Moylan. But a good point that I make is it's always easier to go from an expensive player to a cheaper player. So it's always easier to go from a Moylan... Sorry, it's always easier to go from a Milford down to a Moylan. It, you have 50k to play with there rather than try to find the cash. So if you are going to start with Moylan, just obviously be aware of the hamstrings. But he has been training with an outside sprinting coach, I think you've mentioned,
1: Guru. Yeah, he's been training with uh, Roger Fabry the last few months. So fingers crossed, I, I've got no idea how, how to fix a hamstring injury. I, I, I don't go fast enough to hurt mine. But I'm assuming he's doing the right things. He's going to the right places. Um, it, it's all science positive at the moment for Moyza. but. I'm probably the worst person to ask because I do this each and every fucking year and I'm devastated every year. So fingers crossed for Moisa. Now, we obviously mentioned there that he, you know, he's more than likely going to be your 5'8". There's too many options at fullback. One of the best options at fullback was the Clive Churchill medalist from 2020, Ryan Pappenhausen. Tell me about little Pappy. Little Pappy
2: was a never ever again up until about round 13 for me last year. He was a really weird one. He obviously finished 2019 on fire, coming off the bench and starting a few games, and he was braining it. And then he was given the gig last year, and I think it's fair to say it didn't really click for Pappenhausen in those first sort of 10 rounds. He just sort of looked a little bit out of it, and he just didn't really seem to link up with any of the back plays Melbourne have, but it was that game against the uh, the Broncos, and I think it was round 12 or 11 from my memory, I think he scored about 130-odd, and that's when it really kicked on for Pappy coming in to the end of the year, I think he had scores of, uh, I think he had 400s in the space of six weeks, and I think everything else was over 65, so obviously when Pappy found his mojo with Melbourne, it hit really, really set off, but uh, I was burnt by that because I sold him at uh, rock bottom low and obviously that's when he he picked up so my biggest advice for 2020 is whoever I tell you to sell you know, just keep them
1: Mate, obviously with Babenhausen you know, in the super coach world there has been a bit of a rumour that he doesn't quite gel with Cameron Munster it's either one or the other on their scoring day do you buy into that or not?
2: nah I think with with Harry Grant coming into the building it's a bit of a domino effect Harry Grant's going to free up Cameron Munster which in turn is going to free up uh, Pappenhausen now I'm not saying Pappy is the player that Teddy is but you just watch the way they both push through that middle third and uh, when there's a broken play you can look up and Pappenhausen will be there on your inside and as you've said countless times who who is the king of broken play in the NRL and
1: it's, it's Cam Munster isn't it without a doubt and mate I think that uh, at the Tigers we got a little taste of what Harry Grant can do but we've we were only scratching the surface of his running game. And I think behind a better, more dominant forward pack, I think he's going to be unbelievable. And mate, Ryan Pappenhausen, he's going to be there to pick up the scraps every day of the week, isn't he? 100%, mate. Like you look, you look at the work that Harry Grant did on the back
2: of a a side that rarely won the ruck. And you just got to ask yourself, what can he do when his forwards are getting going forward and he can play, not like Damien Cook, but you know, when Cam, uh, Cam Murray gets that quick play the ball and cooks off, I feel like, uh, Grant could be doing that three or four times a set, just getting quick play the balls and and Grant's off and Pappy could be sneaking to the middle. You remember that old trick play they used to have, Smith to Cronk to Slater on the inside. I feel like you could be seeing that a lot with uh, Cam Munster
1: and and Pappy. And I think by the end of the year, mate, we'll be talking about. Obviously, we all know with Damian Cook how important the Cam Murray play the ball is. I think at the back end of the season, we'll be talking about how important the Brandon Smith play the ball to Harry Grant is. I think it's going to be one hell of a combo. So do I, mate. And that's the thing. Like, it, obviously, Brendan Smith
2: wants to play nine. He asked for his release earlier this week, and I think from a career move for him, it's probably the best move. But in terms of a Storm success, I think um, the cheese should be starting at thirteen because he is just electric, isn't he? He's just a second nine. Uh, him and Grant can rotate between those positions, and it's unfortunate to see the cheese go. But like you said, that that uh, that Brendan Smith play the ball is is electric, isn't it?
1: Oh, mate, without a doubt, it's so dangerous. And I really do think it's going to benefit our man, Ryan Pappenhausen. Will you be starting with him? Uh, There's a bear shit in the woods. Yes, I'll be (laughs) be starting with Pappy. Mate, the next man, Tohu Harris, uh, a guy that I find really interesting. I think for a lot of last year, he flew under the radar. He just kept on putting good numbers up, you know, consistently. And it was like he he was the um, invisible man for a while there. Now, I worry that with Ben Murdoch, Massilla arriving, I think he's going to play on an edge. Um, we were talking before, he's got a lot more ball skills. He's got a lot more X-factor than what people are giving him credit for. I think he'll be on an edge potentially even at 13. It looks likely that um, the young bloke, the hooker, uh, Wade, Egan. Wade Egan will be starting at nine. Um, I'm not sure if he's got 80 minutes in him there, that, you know, They're making out like he is. I think Joe Stavunga will spend some time there at hooker. So with Eli Katoa there, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that back row. Do you think Tohu Harris can keep up what he's been doing?
2: No, unfortunately. Look, Tohu was great last year. He was, uh, in terms of stats, he was one of the most consistent players in Supercoach. He had a low score of 48 in the whole year. So you think that you can bank on a player getting no less than 48 every week. Uh, and he had a high of uh, 87. So he was a bloke that didn't deviate away from his base too often. But uh, we look and we can say that the rotation for the Warriors was a little bit uh, prop heavy with guys like Bunty Foer, Leeson uh Jermaine Tenoor-Brown, just for the likes. But like you mentioned, you've got guys like Jazz Tavanga, you've got guys like Ben Murdoch, masilla sniffing around. I think they're guys that want the ball in their hands and they're explosive. They can bring back that old Warriors flair. Um, I think that Tohu is probably the one that's uh, a little bit unfortunate in this because he is a very, very solid player but looking at his averages, he had a big shoot-up uh, in 2020. I think he averaged... Uh, 50 50 and 59 and then he went up to 69 so he's always been around that sort of 50 to 59 points a player game and last year was a big exception just from the sheer fact of the increased role but i think with the troops they've brought in um adam finor blake wants a lot of ball in his hand Uh, ellie katoa is very destructive on that edge so i think uh tohu harris is unfortunately the man that's going to miss out in 2021
1: i think he's one of those guys though that if they do get a bad injury run if two to three forwards go down he's a guy that you you need to look at straight away again isn't he 100,000%. 100,000%. And if he
2: goes as as slow off the bat as we think he will, he'll obviously drop in price and if the Warriors go back to that 2020 rotation then yeah he's one to pick up but for the first couple of rounds I think there's there's too many better options for that price range that are more consistent and are uh, the definite main man at their team. Mate,
1: the next guy we're going to talk about Jimmy the Jet. Um Jeez, it's been one hell of a career. I remember playing him 10 years ago in park footy, absolutely carving us up. He was three years younger than us. He's always been an absolute superstar, James Roberts, and he's bounced from club to club. I mean, we're talking South Sydney, Penrith, Gold Coast, Brisbane, back to South Sydney. He's now arrived at the West Tigers. I've I've kept it no secret that I think this is the most dysfunctional club in the league. I think Jimmy the Jet is one of the most dysfunctional blokes in the league and... For me, I'm a little bit worried about this. I understand the classics p- perspective that he is cheap, but geez, it just seems to be a bit of a Pandora's box to me.
2: Yeah, that's the thing with with Supercoach Success, and that's the one thing I'll, I'll always vouch on this podcast: is you're never ever going to be successful playing inside the, the square box. And I'm sure you know that with draft, you're never gonna you're never gonna have consistent um, results if you just play what everyone else does. You're never going to deviate away from the pack and. Look, I don't think Jimmy the Jet is someone that you could play in your 17, but he's definitely someone to have on the bench. And I guess my reasoning behind it is we look at someone like Madge and he was happy to dump players that didn't work last year. You look at when Luke Brooks went down. Like in the last five years, I would never think Luke Brooks would be the one on the chopping block of the Tigers. He dropped Benji. Um, I just feel with that sort of aura around Madge that Jimmy might pull his head in. Obviously, it's a big risk. I've put as my article is Jimmy's road to redemption, but... Uh, it's one of those hit and miss ones. He'll be in my team to, to start, but it's not one of the ones I'm overly confident on. If he can find his form from 2016 when he, uh, he lit it up, I remember that game against Luttrell and he just took it to him. If we can find even a glimmer of that, I think he's a great buy, but he's one of the ones that uh, prepare to sell come round five if it doesn't work out.
1: Mate, obviously, Jimmy plays his best footy at right centre, as does Joey Lailua. Um, Who gets that gig and who has to move to the left-hand side?
2: um i think based on defense you've got nofaluma and you've got luciano on that right edge i'm pretty sure so you want a little bit more defensive stability and i don't think bj offers that obviously jimmy is isn't the best defender in the world but he might offer a little bit more solidity than uh than bj but madge might want to go with that lay combination on that right edge so it's one of the teamless shoes i think i personally want jimmy on the right edge i think he's going to work better with nof on his outside it's a it's a pretty rapid outside pairing isn't
1: Yeah, and I mean, if you've got them together, I think it's a huge positive, but you've got Adam he feeding them there. I'm I'm not convinced on him personally. Um, I just, I, I don't know where's best for Jimmy, whether it's being on the left with Brooksy and uh, uh, Luciano Le Lua, or if it is being on the right and just pairing him with Nofaluma. I guess if he does land on the right-hand side with Nofaluma, I mean solely off the back of that combo that can produce anything, it's their, you know, it's 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 their vocal point of their attack, essentially. It does help his cause. How against are you seeing Jimmy wear the one jersey
2: as a bit of a left field option?
1: Um I wouldn't do it personally, but I'm not against... you know what, the more and more I think about who else I would have at fullback, I don't mind it. I Yeah, I'd prefer Jimmy over
2: um here. I think the only other the better in terms of stocks at fullback, I think Embai is probably one, but I wouldn't hate seeing Jimmy at fullback. In all honesty, he's probably great on a kick return. I just I haven't seen enough of his passing game to, to really know what he's going to be like. But at the Tigers, mate, I'm sure you could do a lot worse, couldn't you?
1: Oh, mate, we, we, without a doubt. And I, I personally don't think... See, the the problem with all this is Moses Mbai. I mean, they've signed this guy. He's their club captain. You've had him for, what, three years? He hasn't worked out what fucking position he plays yet. It's just... You know, Adam dwyer he's the same. He's a fullback. Now he's a 5'8". I thought he was a centre when I left South Sydney. There's just a lot of guys floating around that are just trying to find their way. I think if Madge can team together, it will be one hell of an effort. No, it'll
2: show the true class of Madge and a lot of people have sort of bagged. I know you've been a little bit critical of Madge and, and how he's sort of a false narrative on his, on his premiership winning side, but this could be a real test for Madge, similar to Adam O'Brien at Newcastle. It's a real test as to how he's going to fit all these personalities in, especially with BJ and, and Jimmy, like uh, I heard a, I heard a bit of a, a joke that uh, those two could, could punch on with each other, let alone the other team. So it's going to be a big test of Madge as to how he's going to handle everyone at Balmain.
1: Speaking of big tests, mate, and up at the Gold Coast, there's been a lot of new blokes walk into that system, a lot of superstars. We're talking Tino, we're talking Fafita, you've got SASA arriving there. And for me, all of these have been fantastic signings. They're great for the Gold Coast, but... The best thing to happen to the Gold Coast over the last 12 months, by far and away, has been Jamal Fogarty. Tell me about him, mate. It was hard for
2: the Titans to write uh, a player in this. You could go with both their halves, actually. They both averaged the same. They both give really similar impacts on the team. I like Fogarty a little bit more because he is that fifth tackle option. Um, we look at we look at him and don't think of him as a super, a super coach superstar. But when AJ Brimson came back, he had an average of, I think, around 68 in those last eight games. So when the Titans were really finding their mojo, it was on the back of uh, Ash Taylor and Jamal Fogarty. Now, if you're going to pick either of these two, I'm not going to make an argument. Like I said, I just liked Fogarty because he is that fifth tackle option, but Ash Taylor is the goal kicker. So... Either or, but, yeah, look, the combination of Taylor and Fogarty is probably the biggest story out of the Gold Coast. You can give me Fafita, you can give me Tino, you can give me S.A.S.A., but it really clicked into gear when the 6, 7, and 1 all got back together and they gelled, didn't
1: they? Oh, for sure, mate. And, like, I'm having a look at his scores now. I mean, he he does have the capabilities to bottom out with under a 30-point score, though, doesn't he? He does, but you look at that game. I think the game against the Roosters, I think it may have been round 14, um, I
2: think that's when AJ Brimson came back, and you look at his scores after that; they uh, they skyrocket pretty quickly,
1: don't they? Yeah, for sure, they do get up there. I'm looking at round twenty. You know, I, I'm just looking at all of his scores. There's a 24, there's a 17, a 24, a 29, a 28, a 29. Like, and I mean, this I'm, is the reality of halves. I'm pretty happy to disregard that
2: last score. In all honesty, it was against the Newcastle Knights. Uh, the Titans didn't have anything to play for. I think the Sharks had already clinched that uh, last eighth place spot. Um, Ponga didn't do anything that game either um, so look I think it was one of those games where it was a write-off for both teams and that's one I'm pretty happy to scratch but I think if you look at that game when Brimson came back up until the game before Newcastle his average was about 68 so it may be a little bit um, subjective to take a game out of that but like I said the reasons for it I think no one had anything to play for and and Fogg is probably a really good option in that mid-range price point if you didn't want to go a Cleary um, as your
1: 7 in Supercoach the other thing that I really think helped Foggy, of course, AJ Brimson returning. It's sort of lined up at the same time that Tyrone Peachy moved to 13 and they started to move the ball around a little bit more, which I think you saw the best out of Ash Taylor and AJ Brimson. Personally, Peachy would be my 13 again this year, but, I mean, any predicted team you have a look at, it looks like Tino's, you know, probably the favourite to take that 13 jersey. Um, pros and cons, but, I mean... When you're playing behind Fafita, when you're playing behind Tino
2: as a half, it can only help you, can't it? 100%. I mean, I see those those predicted lists with Tino at uh, at 13, and it's probably a little bit controversial. I'd prefer to see Proctor shift it out and have Tino on an edge. You look at how destructive he is running that ball, and obviously Mitch Rain. is no Cameron Smith, but it's pretty clear to see Tino has good ball-running abilities and can run a good line. Um, I think it's just going to help the likes of Taylor and Fogarty with Fafita. Tino and maybe Peachy behind them. It's it's obviously no secret that the Titans got better when Arrow wasn't clogging up that middle. So I do like the Peachy move, but I'm not too sure how Holbrook sees it. He might
1: have Tino, the big recruit at 13. I think the one thing I've always thought about David Fafita too is that you know he comes up with these amazing highlights and it's it's him just doing it off his own back. It's him, you know, coming unders or, or picking up a loose ball and then creating havoc. I I think Jamal Fogarty could be the guy that. David Fafita's been waiting for a half that actually knows how to use his edge back rowers. I think it could be really destructive. Yeah,
2: I think I think Fogarty could run that that crossfield line, square up the A and B defender, and and either hit Fafita through the hole or swing it out. Uh, I think Fafita's been crying out for a half that can square it up. Imagine someone like Fafita with someone like Cody Nikarima with the ability just to just square that line up. How destructive he'd be! And I think Fogarty is developing into that role similar to a Cody Nikorima, someone that can just hold the ball out, get some confused defenders and have a big man just running straight through that hole. What do you think?
1: Yeah, mate, for sure. I, I, as I've said, they've made all these amazing signings, but I think this kid, he is by far and away the best thing to happen to them. I, I, this is the sort of guy they've been crying out for since Scott Prince, essentially, for me. Um, I'm really excited for this guy. I, as you said, he is a bit of a left field option when it comes to super coach. I think we kind of... You know, there's so many superstar halves that this kid. He kind of gets overlooked a little bit, but I think he's a genuine option. I I think you've given the listeners a lot to think about here. He's a real mature head as well, isn't he? Like he, well, he I keep started... calling him a kid, but he's not a kid, yeah.
2: No, he, he started late. He's a, he's a very mature head. And yeah. For someone that hasn't played a huge amount of NRL games, he's got such a cool head on his shoulders. And yeah, he's a bit of a left-field option. I mean, you're not going to get uh, the 60% ownership players out of me. I mean, you can read about those elsewhere. But it's the guys like Ash Taylor and Jamal
1: Foddy that I think could really uh, set your team apart from the rest and mate, when I was just saying to you, he's, he's not a kid in my head. I was thinking, oh, he's 24, 25. He's 27.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, he's he's kicked around in Q cut for a while, hasn't he? He's bided his time. Many guys would have just said, ah, oh, stuff this. My first grade career's over and, and would have given up. But Fogarty kept at it. And I think that really shows in his NRL play. Like, he's just – he's it, it looks
1: like he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's just got something to prove, doesn't it? For sure. And, mate, you know, I, I speak about it all the time. Age 27 to 30 for halves, it is it is golden time. It is, you, You're right in the sweet spot of your career there with a forward pack that he's got, seemingly a good coach with an AJ Brimson out the back. This could be absolutely anything for Fogarty.
2: 100% and I think if the Titans do have a bit of success this year and I don't think Fogarty's going to get the plaudits that he'll deserve. It's going to go to these new signings and it's going to go to AJ Brimson but I think true footy fans that watch the game week in, week out and know how crucial Fogarty is to that side and it's just amazing and how many under-quality halves they've had over the years and all of a sudden they bring in this one guy who has a a very, very good footy IQ by the looks of it and how much
1: they just straighten up and look better, isn't it? For sure, mate. Now, that wraps up our non-cheapy Bible. What have you got for us over the next week or so? Uh, I've got what
2: everyone's been looking out for so I've got a good cheapy Bible coming up I've also got uh, a couple of pods for each position that uh, I'll be releasing I've got one player for each position that I think will have less than sort of 15%
1: ownership that you could put in your side and really catch your mates off guard I like that mate so stay tuned on the Whisperer's Instagram page and Facebook at SC Whisperer he'll be dropping those over the next few days and then you can jump on the podcast and we can have a bit more of an in-depth chat if you'd like to hear his podcast once again mate where can we find you? Uh, on apple and
2: spotify mate it's uh, sc whisperers nrl Supercoach podcast it'll come up there um just give it a listen i'd, I'd appreciate a review as well um just let me know what i can improve on if you want to send
1: me messages my dms are always open for content ideas guys and anyone sending me Supercoach classic messages i'm sending you straight to the whisperer <laughs> i'm not messing around with it anymore he knows better than me so i'll be sending here you his way mate uh i appreciate your time as always look forward to hearing from you over the next few days
2: Thanks for having me, here Matt, and we'll be on next week.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm.